six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. Hello and welcome to a public affair. It's Wednesday, November 8th. That means you've got me. I'm Carousel Baird. And I want to remind you, you are listening to uh, volunteer-powered, listener-sponsored community radio, WORT 89.9 FM, Madison. We have a fabulous show lined up today. Uh, Every year around this time, it is local government budget season. Woohoo! We talk about the city government and the county government. I love talking about all of that. We're going to sort of take a deep deep dive into the city of Madison government um, budget today for 2024 but i really want to break it down more than usual about the funding for that that that's really the the crux uh and the big conversation that we're having this year so i'm really excited we have two guests joining us today for the first half of the show we're going to talk with jason stein from um, the wisconsin policy forum and the second half we'll talk with david schmidtke he's the city finance director so let's get started Jason, hello. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Carissa. I appreciate getting to be here. It's great to have you. And let me tell everyone a little bit more about you. We're about to talk with Jason Stein. He's the vice president and research director for the Wisconsin Policy Forum, where he focuses on researching state and local government. Before joining the Wisconsin Policy Forum, Jason worked as a capital reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel and for the Wisconsin State Journal. And he's also the author with Patrick Marley of the book More Than They Bargained For, Scott Walker, Unions, and the Fight for Wisconsin. So great to have you here, Jason. I know you've been covering uh, local government and state government and all that funding. Let's sort of start with the big picture. What is happening at the state level and how they funded local governments this year? Sure. So this year was historic because the after you know more than 20 years of really stagnating and and in some cases declining state aid to local governments um, in the main form of state aid known as known as shared revenue, the state made a renewed commitment to fund local services like police and fire, libraries, streets, public health. And the state poured hundreds of millions of dollars into additional aid in 2024 for local governments and then made a pledge that going forward, instead of you know being eroded away by inflation, that aid is going to increase at the same speed pace that state sales tax revenues do. And so for many communities, especially small communities with a tiny population, this was a pretty transformational piece of legislation. It's known as Act 12. Um, the reality, though, for this, for certain larger cities, especially ones with higher property values like Madison, it had a, a much more modest effect, at least on a on a per resident basis, and we can talk more about that. Yeah, yeah, I want to sort of understand why, and maybe we can even take a step back and remind everyone, and we've had conversations about this, I think even at the start of the year, how the state of Wisconsin had a record tax surplus, really a, a surplus budget to, to deal with $6.6 billion, with a B, billion dollar surplus. So, of course, there were a lot of calls for where that money could go. And part of it was uh, one of the loud voices was asking for increased, you know, shared revenue, just as you said, uh, to local governments so they can fund those basic needs. But it seems like this is a good thing that the state legislature bipartisanly decided to uh, increase shared revenue. But when you're reading the report written about um, the city of Madison budget by the Wisconsin Policy Forum, it has this headline that says, Historic State Aid Increase Did Little for Madison. Explain to us why this was not as beneficial for Madison and Milwaukee and other big cities as it was for other parts of the state. Sure. 
So for, for Madison in particular, Madison received about $11 per resident from this legislation or will receive that in 2024. Um, it does add up to $3 million. So that's, it's certainly not nothing. Um, the city's overall budget, general fund budget in 2024 will be something on the order of $400 million. So it's, you know, most, it's not quite a percentage point on the, the city budget. Um, it was a large percentage increase. It was maybe a 60% increase, something like that. So the total state aid, this, this key form of shared revenue went from about 5 million to about 8 million. But, you know, average communities statewide got about $35 per resident or more than three times as much. And in particular, when you look at, okay, in this, in this aid form of aid that goes out to counties and municipalities in Wisconsin, following this legislation, where does Madison rank out of all the 1,848 municipalities that there are in Wisconsin? We have about 600 cities and villages and about 1,250 towns. And out of those 1,848 municipalities, on a per-resident basis, Madison now ranks 1,847th, hmm. or not quite dead last, just barely above dead last. And so, you know, wow. why does that matter? It matters because in Wisconsin, cities and villages can't levy a sales tax. You know, they can't levy an income tax like the state does. They, they really essentially have two main forms of revenue that they can use for whatever priorities they have, and those are the property tax and state aid like shared revenue. And in the property tax in Wisconsin is pretty tightly controlled and limited by the state. And so, you know, that really puts quite a bit of importance on state aid as this other source of revenue. And so, you know, what is happening now is in particular having, you know, sort of missed out on this historic increase largely, um, that really puts more of the onus on local revenues, which again is really a, amounts to the, the property tax, um, which again is limited uh, in most cases by state law. So that just makes it a difficult for Madison to sort of in a pretty high inflation environment yeah. to bring its spending and its revenues, the growth in those two things into line so they balance out over time. And Jason, explain to us how how this came about, the fact that what passed the state legislature has basically a third, less than a third per person. You were saying $11 per person in Madison, um, where the state average was $35 per person. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. how, how did that calculation happen? And so does that mean I, who I live in the city of Madison, if I lived in a town in Dane County, that town would get 30, on average, $35 for me living there. But in Madison, it gets 11. Okay. Village, right. On average would get $35 per resident. And some of them got, you know, quite a bit more than that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what it comes down to, it comes down to two things. One, the legislature simply wrote the formula in act 12, to really uh, be very favorable for small communities with a small population and much less favorable for large communities. And then there's another factor, which is how much shared revenue or how much state aid were these communities getting to begin with? And so you had some communities like Milwaukee that Milwaukee got a 10% increase, which was much less than a typical community, but Milwaukee was getting more than $200 million of shared revenue to begin with. Hmm. So for them, a 10% increase was still more than $20 million and still nothing to sneeze at. For Madison, you know, Madison was getting very little to begin with. And even though the percentage increase was pretty big at 60%, you know, it's like if you have a dime and I double that dime, it's still only 20 <laughs> Right, cents. right. So that okay. was sort of the challenge that, that Madison had. So... Thank you for helping outline all that and help us understand the the impact that the shared revenue from the state legislature 
um, is having on the city of Madison, especially compared to what other communities are getting. So what does that leave Madison with? Why are we concerned about funding for the future then? Sure. And I think one thing I want to just emphasize for your listeners is we're not necessarily saying, oh, you know, woe is Madison, woe is us, this is so terrible. I mean, the city obviously benefits to a very great degree from the state in the sense that we are the we are the seat of state government here in Madison. We have the capital, many of the agency headquarters here, and then we have a world-class research university in the University of Wisconsin-Madison. And all those things are a tremendous economic benefit and boost to the state and a way that tax dollars, you know, state income and sales tax dollars flow into our community. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, it's a well-to-do community. So there's certainly an ability at the local level, um, income and property wealth that the community is in a position to fund its own local services. Where the challenge comes in is that right now, the property tax, which is our main form of local tax, is capped by the state. It can't grow any faster than what's referred to as net new construction. And all that means is how much overall property values are growing on a percentage basis due to new homes and businesses getting built each year. And in Madison, uh, because we have a lot of development, those that's growing more quickly here than the state average. But you know, it's it's growing for this budget cycle. It grew about 2.2 percent, which is quite a bit faster than the state average, which is 1.7. But when you look at what inflation has been, that is still well below, you know, what the rate of inflation Keeping has up been with inflation. in recent years, and so. You know, the challenge is that um, for the, state, the city's spending in this, the mayor's latest proposed budget in the last couple, spending has been going up about 6% a year in the city's main fund. And then you have the city's main source of revenue, the property tax, when, when it's used for the city's operating budget is limited by the state to about 2% a year. 2% growth, something like that, a little bit more. And mm. so those two things just over time... Further um, and further apart, yeah. They're yeah. not at all in line with one another. So, you know, right now the city's finances are relatively strong. We're not saying that anybody needs to panic about them in the here and now. And, you know, I'm sure the budget that will be passed over the next, you know, week or so by the city council is not going to be able to, you know, they're not going to be able to address this problem in a matter of hours, you know, but in the coming months and years, this is something that the community is going to need to grapple with in one way or another. And we don't advocate for or against any specific solution, but, you know, this the community is going to have to think through what we want the solution to be, and we can talk a little bit about what the options might look like. Yeah. So right now, talk to us about what our funding uh, revenues are. We talked about the state. We talked about property taxes. Are there other revenues that we have? I know um, federal government and core fund, um, not core, um, during during COVID, there was sure. sort of one-time funding. Can yep. you talk to us about right. the role that plays? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the city, like many other communities around the, around the country, was, was hit by the pandemic in, in various ways, we could talk about that. But in- oh no, Jason, did we lose you? Jason, Jason, are you still there? Oh, okay. We're gonna take a quick pause here. We were talking with Jason Stein. We're gonna get him right back. Jason Stein is the vice president and research director of the Wisconsin Policy Forum, where he focuses on researching state and local government. We were just talking with him about the city of Madison budget, but really big picture about funding options um, to make sure that the city of Madison budget, which is doing fine now, but how do we continue to fund the programs that are important to us in the future? 
If you want to join the conversation, we would love to hear from you. You can give us a call at area code 608-256-2001, extension 9. Mary Jo is here. Uh, so she's ready to take your calls. We have Sholly in the studio. Uh, we have uh, Emmett, our engineer. So just give us a call if you want to join the conversation. We would love to hear from you at area code 608-256-2001, extension 9. Jason, are you back? I am. I, my apologies. I don't know what happened. But no I'm problem. Back. Hey, I'm glad you're still here. Um, so you were talking with us about um, other revenue options and specifically right. about the federal government funding during COVID. Exactly. So the, the city received a very large amount of uh, federal funding during the pandemic that helped get through the COVID-19 and the aftermath of that. But so that's the good news. The bad news is that that money is running out. Right. And, you know, to a certain extent, the city has also relied on its reserves to get through this period. Um, and that, you know, all those funds have been helpful. And, I, you know, but they are at least on the federal aid side coming to an end. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the city certainly has some other one time sources of money or temporary sources of money that it can use for a year or two into the future. Again, we're not in immediate dire straits, but there really is a long-term imbalance. And I think the the sooner the community can address it in some sustainable way, the better it's going to be. Yeah. That those, right, using our reserves and using one-time funding from uh, the federal government and other sources are a good stopgap, but not long-term solutions. Um Wait. Jason, before we get into sort of specifics of ideas of how to solve things, I want to talk about, and you touched on this a little bit, um, what role the economy plays. I mean, so many times when you talk to people about budgets and you're not thinking about the nitty gritty and we don't have the level of expertise that that you might have, people think, well, the economy is strong, property values have gone up, uh, you know, Madison in general is thriving. How does that play a role or does that play a role at all in um, the health of the city budget? Sure. I mean, certainly COVID had an impact in many ways. You know, it led to more working from home. That affected, you know, transit ridership and transit fare revenues. It affected, you know, the revenues for the parking utility because people were driving to work and parking in parking garages, that sort of thing. So there's certainly some effects from COVID and just the the social and economic change we've had. But the sort of funny thing about our system in Wisconsin is there's not as strong a tie between what's happening in the economy and the city's revenues as would be in other places. So in many other places um, that, you know, a city like let's say Minneapolis has a sales tax, um, the sales tax revenues are very much linked to um, economic activity yeah. to the state of the economy when consumers are buying more things or when consumer prices are rising because of inflation, that source of revenue is going up for the city. You know, in Madison, there's no sales tax. The state prevents the city from levying one. Um, Act 12, which we talked about, gave the city of Milwaukee a historic ability to start levying a sales tax, which it's going to do on January 1st, but that is that option is not available to the city. In Madison. Madison. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, for instance, again, in the city, we've had, um, you know, property values on a statewide basis rise by 13 or 14 percent a year over the last couple of years and by a roughly similar amount in the city. Um, but that doesn't translate into the city being able to tax the residents by a hard, larger amount. Again, that is the only growth in property values that the city could choose to capture from the property tax are true new construction as opposed to the appreciation of the value of existing Fascinating. Homes. Fascinating. I mean, I really appreciate how you're explaining to us that that is an option that exists in other states, perhaps, and in other cities, right. but not here in Madison. Because I think so many of us are like, well, I've heard about this, and I've, I I thought that we could re- leverage some sales tax. But right, that's not an option here in Madison. Helpful to know. Um, Correct. Jason, before we get to sort of 
what options uh, you think are out there for the city to to start considering over the next few years. I want to just touch on uh, sort of one big capital project that's happening here in Madison. And I know for the second half of the show, we're going to talk um, with the city finance director and we'll be able to get into some more nitty gritty on the details. But I wanted to get your take on the impact of bus rapid transit. It seems to be a big element uh, in the 2024 budget. Absolutely. So, you know, it was the east-west route is coming online. So, you know, roughly going from the um, east town to west town mall. Yeah. And that is going to be, you know, more rapid service, um, elevated platforms, you know, a, a range of things that are really distinct from traditional uh, bus service in the city more frequent um, stops more yeah yes more more rapid uh, service from one point to another and so that's going to be a big change um, the city funded the east-west route in the last couple budgets so actually the city's overall capital budget is going down by roughly a hundred million dollars in this in 2024 and then uh, we take a pause and then in future years you know the the construction and actual rollout of the east-west service will happen in 2024. And then in future years, we'll see some uptick in funding for the north-south line that will be at the second line that will be added. And a lot of that funding, the capital projects, the construction projects is being funded by uh, the federal, federal grants. Um, you know, one thing that we'll watch on that is Transit ridership has still not come back from where it was in 2019. A little bit of that relates to the fact that some Madison school students, middle schoolers who were previously riding the bus are now riding the city bus are now riding yellow school buses. So that has hurt fare revenues to some extent for Metro Transit. But, you know, they still have this ongoing problem of recapturing ridership. And one Potential bright for, spot for them would be if BRT is a success and brings new people um, into the system or just riders who have dropped off during COVID and brings them back, that could help to, um, you know, reinvigorate the system and help to close sort of a long-term uh, budget gap that the mm. city has in, in the area of transit. So that's a possible, possible um, benefit uh, at the success of bus rapid transit, and which we will get a sense next year at this time after um, it hopefully had been launched next summer. We'll have an idea of how that's going. That's a yeah, good that's, thing to that's sort an of important keep. one to watch. Yeah. So, in our our final minutes here with you, Jason, talk to us about what other funding options are on the table. Uh, big picture for a city like Madison to to look at as we sort of start this conversation to get us uh, to the right place in the next handful of years? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, one option is to continue to grow. I mean, one thing I think your listeners are probably familiar with is we have a housing shortage in Madison and the greater Dane County area. You know, the, the mayor and, and elected officials have been trying to, you know, make it easier to build housing in the city. And, you know, to the extent that that happens, that could help by that new construction could add to the city's property tax revenues. So that, you know, that could help chip away to some degree at our our budget gap. Um, Trying to find ways to work with neighboring communities to deliver services more efficiently could also help. You know, Madison Metro has extended service to some uh, suburban communities and brought in some new revenue doing that. So that's maybe a model that other city agencies might be able to pull from. Um, You know, in other other things are going to be more challenging. I mean, you know, the, the city could certainly lobby the legislature for sales tax authority. The legislature has not shown a lot of interest in giving that to the city. I mean, the the governor put that in his budget, a proposal that would have let Madison and many other cities raise the sales tax. The legislature did not, you know, did not include that, took it out. Um, The city could look at, you know, things to hold down costs like not increasing wages at the rate of inflation. But, you know, I mean, the city has already had some challenges with turnover and vacancies. And so, you know, there is an impact to 
you know, quality of service and things like that, um, at least potentially, if you're not keeping up with what uh, your compensation is for your people. And then, you know, looking at other, you know, steps. And then another thing that the city could consider is putting a referendum to a property tax referendum to voters. Um, You know, that couldn't happen until either the spring or fall election of 2024. But, you know, and that's not something that any of the city elected officials have have said that they're going to do at this time. But I think that would be certainly something to um, watch and look for and think about as a community. Um, That's another, you know, option that's on the table. The forum doesn't have a position on it. But, you know, that's something that some communities, Middleton is an example, have done in recent years. And we will probably see more of that among large communities like Madison. I think Act 12, again, helped a lot of smaller communities and took that off the table for them. So they don't have to consider that. But I think some of the larger committees, communities, excuse me, will continue to do that. That's really helpful to hear. I don't I mean, shame on me. I didn't realize that Middleton had. Uh, had a referendum um, to increase their tax recently. So that's sort of something I'll definitely want to look into and sort of get an understanding of what they and other communities have done. Um, but, right. Yeah. And and they did that at the same time that voters also considered a, and approved a, a school funding referendum. Mm-hmm. In the city. And, you know, that is also something to be a consideration that I think it's it's fairly likely that the Madison schools will also go to voters in 2024 with a fund, with a pro- referendum to increase property taxes. So, you know, that's, I think, something that it, to some degree they're, they're, on the one hand, completely separate issues, but I think something that community leaders and ordinary voters will probably understandably consider them in conjunction if they both were to happen. Interesting. Well, it's been fabulous talking with you, Jason. I really appreciate you joining us and sort of helping us lay the landscape of what funding looks like when you're considering uh, city budget priorities. This has been a great conversation. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That was Jason Stein, Vice President and Research Director of the Wisconsin Policy Forum. And we're going to... uh, Transition now to our second guest, but I want to remind everyone you are listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. And if you want to join the conversation, we would love to hear from you. What are your thoughts on funding for uh, the city of Madison uh, budget and and beyond? Really, it sounds like the state legislature has really stuck it to the city of Madison. And now we have to solve a problem that other communities don't have to. We'd love to hear from you again at area code 608-256-2001, extension 9. Mary Jo is here ready to take your calls, and we can patch you straight onto the air with us, or you can pass a message on to uh, Shally's in the studio with us today. So um, any way you want to join the conversation, we would love to hear from you. All right, let's talk now with Dave Schmidke. He is the city finance director. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? Hi, Carousel. Nice to see you today, and uh, thanks uh, to your listeners for having me on. I'm doing well. Thank you. It's great to have you. It's um, We really appreciate you coming to join us and really sort of breaking down the 2024 budget. So I wanted to sort of start with, with the numbers, right? We are talking about a budget. The yeah. 2024 budget as proposed by the mayor, um, it, the operating budget is four point. God, boy, was I off on that. $404.8 million. And the capital budget is $266 million. So let's start with the operating budget. $404.8 million. That's a record high. Tell us about that. Well, the operating budget, um, as you might imagine, sort of pays for the, the services that... Uh, you know, residents see every day, whether it's um, picking up the trash and recycling or plowing the snow, um, our libraries, our parks, public safety, and so on. And so that pays for um, uh, staff costs. I mean, most of the budget, uh, about two thirds of the budget is personnel costs. And so those are to pay the, the people, the staff that provide those services every day. 
Um, the next largest share of our budget is for debt service. So basically the principal and interest payments on the debt that's issued to pay for the capital projects in the city. Um, and those capital projects include uh, reconstructing streets or um, buying uh, vehicles that plow the snow and so on, or paying for building renovations. And then after that, it's our public works um, uh, staffing, so our streets division, um, traffic engineering, engineering, our libraries, our parks, um, and the city's subsidy to, uh, to Metro Transit. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the you know the the operating budget in a in a very small nutshell. How come the budget has raised so so much twenty two million more than last year? Is that re- it feels like when you're reviewing it, that's re- the heart of it is really just keeping up with inflation so that we can keep the fabulous city employees that we have. Yeah, it really is. Um, about inflation the last few years. I mean, I think, uh, you know, there's no surprise there. We've got uh, increasing costs for utilities, you know, the things that we need to kind of um, keep the buildings operating that the city provides services from um, and to pay, pay staff, both the benefits that they receive and the pay that they receive. Um, one of the major elements of this year's budget is a um, 6% pay increase for uh, what are called general municipal employees. So those are all the city employees um, with the exception of the commission staff and the police and fire departments. And there has been a wage increase gap for several years between what police and fire commission staff, their increases have been versus what the increases have been for the other city employees. And this budget, uh, based on you know listening to employees, um, what we need to do for recruitment and retention of the quality staff that provide quality services to our residents, um, that 6% increase will finally close that gap as well as respond to the, you know, the, the major inflation uh, impacts that we're seeing lately. I want to talk about funding for the operating budget. Um, And part of the funding includes federal grants that came in through COVID. Talk to us about the impact of those, that federal funding. I mean, obviously a a boon and a benefit to get those funds uh, to provide essential services that we needed to provide uh, during and since COVID. But, um, what happens when that funding goes away? Well, there's a lot of questions embedded in that one question. So why don't we <laughs> unpack it a little bit? Sounds good. Um, so, you know, the, um, uh, you know, as we all remember in the, in the depths of the pandemic, we had some pretty significant economic impacts. You know, the city um, saw some revenues drop dramatically. So, for example, room taxes dropped um, over, um, you know, over 60, 70 percent. And, you know, that's not a surprise given that people weren't traveling, they weren't congregating. We also saw a big drop off in Monona Terrace, um, which effectively uh, was not open. And so that was happening all over the country. And so, um, the American Rescue Plan Act included, the federal American Rescue Plan Act included $350 billion in a state and in a state and local fiscal relief fund. And so from that $350 billion nationally, Madison received $47 million. And um, the council and the mayor together decided that roughly half of that money would be dedicated to Um, helping the community recover from the effects of the pandemic. And it was allocated to various community services activities, such as helping with sheltering the homeless, helping, um, you know, a broad array of businesses recover from the pandemic, helping, helping our public health agency and so on. So that was half of that 47 million. The other half was dedicated to kind of maintaining uh, our service levels, you know, so, Uh, Without that funding, we may have had to cut back on services. um, uh, And so that sort of what was roughly $24 million 
what has been allocated since 2021 to help keep the budget balanced and help mm-hmm. keep service levels um, at you know at their at their current level. Okay. Um, that money needs to be spent by the end of 2024, or at least obligated. And so the last segment of that 24 million is uh, allocated in this budget. It's about four million dollars. Um, now, throughout that, there's been concerns about using that as one-time money and what would happen with the future, and that definitely uh, um, is an issue. But again, we don't have very many options there, and we've kind of laid out that the future will be will be challenging as we as we move forward. So, long term. What are our options as, you know, building on what you just said there, the future will be challenging as we move forward. How do you as right, the finance director for the city of Madison plan ahead uh, for what we do to ensure the sustainability of the city and our funding uh, for future years? Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, you know, we struggle with that every every year. And we have <laughs> since um, the legislature put into place what we call very strict limits on growth and property taxes back in 2012. And so the city's employed a number of different approaches that range from, um, you know, redesigning the employee health insurance plan so that it you know, employees had to pay uh, slightly more for their health insurance. We've um, increased our ambulance conveyance fee. We've implemented what are called special charges to help pay for things like urban forestry costs. Um, We've, so we've looked at a number of different ways and we'll continue to look at those options. Um, We had hoped that the record state budget surplus would have resulted in, I think, uh, a meaningful increase in shared revenue to the city. It did not. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're kind of left with a very limited range um, of options that are presented to all Wisconsin cities. And so um, we'll continue to look at that. Uh, we may have to look at special charges, for example. Um, but it really comes down to the property tax. I mean, that's the major source of revenue for city operations. Um, It's nearly three quarters uh, of our revenue stream. And so, um, you know, that's, we have to kind of figure a way around that as well as that very small growth in state aid and and other local revenues. So uh, we may have to continue to look at efficiencies um, and how services are delivered. And so that whole sort of menu is going to have to be looked at. And talk to us again. I know we talked a little bit about this with Jason, but it would be good to get your sort of take on it as well. How, what kind of constraints and limitations are there on the city of Madison when trying to leverage property taxes to fund the budget? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So the city can only increase property taxes by sort of the value of new construction in the city. And that has um, hovered around 2%, um, sometimes a little bit less, sometimes a little bit more than 2%. And if, you know, if you look at 2%, that's a lot less than current inflation. Uh, it does not keep pace with our population growth, which is increasing at about 1% a year. And um, so there's, that's a, you know, that's a major challenge. And yet it's, it's three quarters of, of the city's revenue stream. And so that's what's so uh, yeah. that's yeah, so ahead. baffling because right. you think so I am fortunate enough to own a home in the city of Madison and the value of my home has gone up in the last, you know, couple of years as I believe the value of everyone's home on some level has gone up um because of inflation. And yet that doesn't that in itself doesn't get the city of Madison more property taxes. So if we build nothing new uh, the fact that my home is worth more doesn't get anything more in property taxes? That's correct. I feel like people don't 
realize that or think that because we always say, well, our property taxes go up every year. How could they possibly go up every year if it ha- if it's not tied it's not tied to the value of our home. It's only tied to new construction. So that's why we say these Crazy. are called very strict limits on increases in property taxes. So okay. the increase in value, you know, the economic value of all the property in the city has no connection to um, how much the uh, property taxes can increase. Wow. So that's why we see the tax rate going down um, each year with that, you know, much more rapid increase in, in value because the the levy is is limited in how much it can increase. So what are some options that the city of Madison is thinking um, about, or is it too soon, or is, is the idea to have some conversations coming up? Yeah, I mean, I think, as I just mentioned, we've, we've employed a number of different options, um, and, you know, I think those some of those options are still there. Um, they don't yield a lot of, of revenue increase. So for example, the ambulance conveyance fee, you know, we're constantly looking at uh, what are our surrounding communities charging for those, for that cost, um, communities around the state, and we're adjusting that. But hmm. that's a, that's a small revenue stream. Some of the other ones, you know, the other approach we've used you know, um, recently, or I would say the last eight, 10 years are what are called special charges. Um, that's another option. So we have a special charge. This goes on the municipal services bill. So your water and sewer bill, you, you see a charge on there for, for example, urban forestry or resource recovery. These are some things that we're able to do under um, state law um, to basically recover the cost of a specific service. Gotcha. Another option, one of the few options that the state provides is a local vehicle registration fee. And so both the city and the county have employed um, that revenue stream with the city implementing a $40 annual fee. I think the county's is $28. And uh, around the state, a number of counties and communities have put into place um, these fees and that uh, the pace of that's increased pretty rapidly with the impact of, uh, of levy limits. Gotcha. Um, Dave, I want to talk about some specifics in the budget. Um, are there any, it seems like in general, the operating budget uh, is, is trying to just hold steady and maintain all um, the services that exist for the city uh, in 2023 and carry them forward into 2024. Is there anything specifically in the operating budget that stands out that um, is worth that you want to talk to us about? You know, Carousel, I, I think the way you described it is right on. This is pretty much a, a what we like or what we call a cost to continue budget. It keeps services at their current level. There's very few um new items in the budgets uh you know some of them are for example in the fire department there's a new civilian um, emergency medical services coordinator um, that'll help with overseeing the city's cares program yeah. as well as its emergency medical services program so that'll help with um you know the coordination of those services and free up um, a commission fire staff member uh, to be available to provide those direct services to residents. Um, in the police department, uh, there's a, sort of a requirement under state law that individuals who need to be um, transported to a secure mental health facility have to be taken to a facility in Oshkosh. And so um, we used to have to use um, police officers to do that transportation, which again, takes officers out of neighborhoods and puts them in a car for several hours. Uh, we're now able um, with a recent state law change to um, contract with a third party to do that. Mm. And the police department did that as a pilot uh, this year. And there's money in the budget to make that a permanent program going forward. Um, Otherwise, um, there's a citywide public information officer proposed. 
Um, I think this has been an issue the city has been facing for many years as it's been growing. And um, this position was proposed by the city's neighborhood resource teams as a way to try to improve communication with all residents in our city from a, uh, an equity perspective and making sure that um, all residents have the information they need to access city services. Um, so those are some of the um, some of the items I would say in the budget. There's also, um, you know, we talked a lot about, or we talked a little bit about the federal money yeah. uh, that we've received. And a lot of that federal money has gone to pay for um, services to our homeless population. And, you know, the city and the county have partnered to build a new permanent um, homeless shelter for men. Well, these are services that have been taken on by both the city and the county that used to be kind of volunteer driven. And so um, we're actually building facilities, whereas in the past, maybe churches were used for those facilities. We now have to think about how to pay for the operations of those facilities out into the future. Mm. And so the city budget adds $300,000 of ongoing funding to help with, with that. And that'll have to be a partnership with the county and um, uh, philanthropic organizations and so on to, uh, to get that to a funding level that's necessary to, to operate those facilities. We have a caller that wants to join us, Dave. Um, he has a question about expenditures. Joe, what are you thinking? Uh, my question is, if we are having problems producing revenues, what can we do to reduce our debt service and our capital expenditures to help us balance the budget? Great question. Thanks, Joe. And I think that's a great transition to a conversation about the capital budget as well. Dave, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I really appreciate the question, Joe. That's a great question. And um, one thing I'll, I'll, I'll talk about at first before I get into the capital budget is kind of an interesting element of the levy limit. Um, and that is that the debt service that we have to pay on our general obligation debt is not limited under the levy limit. And so by any sort of reduction in debt service that we get does not help the operating budget. It does reduce how much we levy for, which is important, and how much uh, you know property owners have to pay in property taxes, but it does not help with the operating budget gap that we just talked about. Um, so our capital budget, um, is, you know, the amount we, we have a annual capital budget, and then we also have a capital improvement plan that looks out over, um, a five-year horizon after that capital budget year. Um, as I had mentioned earlier, it's focused on primarily on the city's, um, road and street infrastructure, and um, making sure that, and you know, bike paths and things like that, um, as well as um, equipment that we need. Um, so buying buses, for example, there was some share of the budget for that. Um, funding to put equipment in parks uh, and so on. Um, we have seen the capital budget increase over time. Um, but it's going won- down this year, yes, right? The general, the general obligation borrowing is going down compared to 2023. And the reason for that is 2023 had in it a lot of the um, uh, city's contribution to bus rapid transit. So it's all kind of budgeted gotcha. in that year and that's yep. there now. And then it's not, doesn't need to be there again in 2024 um, because we've already um, uh, appropriated it. And that amount will carry over until we actually until they actually issue it. Uh, but the budget overall, when we look out over that sort of six years, is larger than than the budget before it. And for a number of different reasons, um, you know, we have to reconstruct the, um, the causeway bridges for John Nolan Drive. That's a major project. Now we're fortunate to get a considerable amount of um, federal money to pay for that, but there's still a local contribution. Hmm. Towards that, um, 
And um, so that's probably one of the, the major elements, as well as the north-south bus rapid transit line, which is also accounted for, um, I think, primarily starting in 2025. Again, much of that is expected to be federally funded, uh, but there still is a considerable local contribution uh, in there. And Dave, I got ahead of ourselves a little bit. Can you yeah. remind us what a capital budget is, why sure. capital budgets are different than operating budgets? Sure, that's a great question. So uh, the capital budget, as I said, is about... Um, really our long-term assets in the city. So, and by asset, I mean the streets that we drive our vehicles on, um, the buildings that provide city services, the vehicles and equipment um, that, um, you know, provide help provide services in the city. And then any sort of property may, we may acquire. So land for parks. And um, so, when we look at that capital budget, we're looking primarily at sort of individual projects. So that might be a building project, uh, the bus rapid transit project, for example, um, a street reconstruction project. Now we have these programs too, that may be broader categories of um, uh, equipment acquisition for our vehicle fleet or uh, playground equipment in our parks. Now, about most of the budget, most of that capital budget is financed by issuing debt. Okay. And, um, that debt is uh, repaid usually in over a 10-year period, which is much more rapid than most communities and states. They typically issue 20-year bonds. We do most of our debt in 10 years. That helps hold interest Help costs down. down. Gotcha. Quite a bit. Uh, it means in the short term, we have higher sort of cash flow, but we have lower interest costs over time. All right. Dave, uh, Dave, other parts of the budget Dave, are paid we, for. With, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Dave, we only have about 15, 20 seconds left. All right. Um, <laughs> it's so great to hear all this detail, though. What, big picture, what would you like to leave with our listeners? How can they pay attention to the city budget in the future? That's a great question. Um, the budget for this year will be voted on by the Common Council next week. Um, it's uh, first day of budget deliberations is Tuesday, November 14th. There's also a public hearing um, at that council meeting. The meeting starts at 5.30 p.m. Um, you can also talk directly with your, um, with your alder in your district or any other alder uh, or the mayor's office if you have questions. Uh, that's probably the best way uh, with this budget. And then in, in the future, it's really, um, we start the process all over again next year. We have um, uh, in the fall is the major the element. Gotcha. But, um, well, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Dave. It's been wonderful talking with you. David Schmidtke, Finance Director for the City of Madison. Thanks so much. Yep, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you again next week. WORT 89.9 FM, Madison.